Again, um, this is our again. I would I would use a wire quote, but you wouldn't know what it meant. That is correct. Thank you for sparing me. <laughs> kind of a backhanded way of sparing. Me. <laughs> All right, let me know when you're ready to go, man. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Walker Mail, and at Not Out of the Scribe. Have a couple of athletic articles I want to get to today, including a survey conducted by The Athletic asking a bunch of NBA agents a ton of questions on the bubble, how the NBA did in Orlando, getting everything about, as well as who the most interesting NBA draft prospects could be. And that's where I want to lead off here in just a moment. Also, I want to discuss the tiers of players written by Seth Partnow. Is that how you pronounce his name? Not is it now? Is it now? Do we have, or do we know? We do not know. We do not know. We <laughs> okay. probably need to invite him on just to make sure. Uh, very good. Very. I mean, he's a fantastic follow on Twitter, understands yeah. the game extremely well. Seth part now also has a tier list, um, uh, where Devonte Graham is among, uh, a top certain amount of players. We can get to that in the second segment. And then I want to go back to the low post podcast, which we've been going back to as well, but he had a recent episode with Tim McMahon that I was listening to that I want to talk about regarding Daryl Morey and his tenure with the Houston Rockets and the Chris Paul, James Harden feud and how that actually led to Chris Paul playing for the Oklahoma city thunder. There's something interesting there. I wanted to talk about maybe at the end of the show today, but first let's get to the survey nada. And I want to start with something of course, Hornets centric as we are supposed to do here on the lockdown Hornets podcast and with the NBA draft coming about number seven on this list was uh, when asking 20 different NBA, uh, 20 different NBA agents, mind you. Um, the question was, who is the most intriguing 2020 NBA draft prospect? And when they were voting, seven and a half said that LaMelo Ball was the most intriguing 2020 NBA draft prospect. And then you have to go all the way down where there is a big tie for second with one and a half votes. Killian Hayes, Obi Toppin, Devin Vassell, and Patrick Williams. Those were the most intriguing um, that comes in second on this list. Then you have to go down to one from one and a half. Denny Advia, Anthony Edwards, Alexi Pokasevsky, and James Wiseman. Those are a couple of the other guys. Jordan Ford, Elijah Hughes got half of a vote in all of this. But LaMelo Ball just blowing the competition out of the water when you talk about the most intriguing anonymous quotes from all the different agents that were surveyed in this article they go like this, quote, that could go really good or really bad regarding LaMelo Ball. Uh, another <laughs> quote was, I think he has such a high ceiling, but the difference from his top to bottom is the biggest of anyone in the draft. Another one was, with everything considered, the route he took, I just think he's a guy who people are all over the place on. He fits the bill as much as anybody ever. And then the final comment that they uh, gave us here regarding LaMelo Ball, I think in this draft, every team is totally unsure of how good these top seven or eight guys are going to be. I've never heard, and they're not going to say this, less enthusiasm for teams that have high picks, end quote. And 
you know, it's it's something that we've talked about quite a bit. It's something we talked about yesterday when mm-hmm. evaluating this draft class compared to a bunch of other draft class and and draft classes and Lamella Ball, the variance there, the wide range of outcomes that we could see from Lamelo, it just makes everyone scared as hell. Nada, and like you hear it in all of those comments from NBA agents, seven and a half calling him the most intriguing because you can see the clear talent, but also man, there are some things that really scare you. Uh, would you call him the most intriguing NBA draft prospect as well as these agents have seemed to do? Yeah, I think it's so because again, and I know we've talked about this before, but I think that everybody's kind of overthinking this with LaMelo. Like we're talking about an elite, again, one guy that has the only elite skill in this class and people are running away from him because of misconceptions about his dad or misconceptions about his brother. He's still an elite rebounder for his position. He's still elite passer for what he does. The only question you have really with him is his jump shot. So I get why everybody seems to think that he's the most intriguing guy. And for multiple reasons, it's kind of why I'm hoping everybody continues to overthink this and LaMelo Ball ends up at three because for everyone that thinks that James Wiseman is the most solid prospect in this class, I don't seem to believe so because if you're going to tell me solid guy at wing that's going to do everything well but shoot or everything at an elite level on, again, just everything on an elite level like that, I would probably put, uh, for me, I would probably put LaMelo ball over anyone else. And I hope everyone continues to overthink this. He's the most intriguing NBA draft prospect to me, Nada, because he comes in with an elite skill already passing the basketball. I mean, it's, it's really fascinating to watch him pass the basketball. And I, I think you can watch him do some really magical things the shot is bad. We've gone through the strengths and weaknesses from him. But also when you just talk about level of intrigue, his name does matter here. The fact that this guy has been in the limelight for so long, the fact that he is a part of the ball family, the fact that not only do we recognize his name, maybe even more casual NBA fans who don't do a whole lot of homework when it comes to the NBA draft. A lot of those fans have heard of LaMelo ball because of the ball family And this is someone that not only has that kind of recognition, but also has a fun type of basketball game that he brings to the court. You know, the the fact that he's able to get guys so involved, the fact that he does have that kind of ability that is so marketable and he's just a marketable, uh, marketable dude, even outside of his game. I, I can see why agents would say, yeah, he's the most intriguing NBA draft prospect getting seven and a half votes compared to one and a half where there's a second place tie for like a handful of different prospects here. I mean, I think it is pretty clearly LaMelo and you know, what's crazy. It's the fact that there are plenty of other intriguing dudes, you know, like yeah. we can go back to last year and it's comparing it to the no shore thing um, within the top five picks of this year's draft compared to last year's Zion and jaw were considered sure things. And R.J. Barrett, you might have had some concerns, but he was always going to be the third overall pick in Uh the NBA draft. And when you talk about intrigue, just not knowing knowing what a player is going to bring you, 
James Wiseman and Anthony Edwards are two players that might even be more intriguing than than all the the, the three top guys last year. Like Zion is crazy intriguing just because we love him and and he was you know he was crazy interesting from oh god he's do- doing something we've never seen before at that particular size. Like we're I'm not he's intriguing hell yeah just because we know he's going to be good with all of these guys there's just so many different things that could happen and, and lamello ball especially because if he does hit then that guy is crazy marketable with you know with with a game that is so fun to watch more fun to watch than james wiseman and it would be more fun to watch than anthony edwards yeah and it's funny because again you scroll down in that article and you bring up the anthony edwards quote and they're talking about Literally, he's got to be in the right situation. He's got to get with the right agent. That scares me a little bit. If you read that about Anthony Edwards, and that may be an agent throwing dirt on the name because he didn't sign with the agency. And we have sometimes we do have to take this with a little bit of grain of salt. But at the same time, when you see something like that, where this guy needs the right situation in the right system to be successful, that kind of scares me a little bit. You bring up that quote, man. Like, look at, I I like the way this quote ends. I'll read it in its entirety. You know, whatever agent was asked about this, he said, Edwards is super talented, athletic, dynamic score, alpha competitor. If he can keep his nose clean and stay around the right people. And if his agent can get him to understand that this is more than a game. Great. If not, he's in trouble. Some agents are afraid of their clients and don't lead the way. There's a history of players who didn't reach their potential because they lacked guidance. If Edwards doesn't have that guidance, he'll be a memory before he should be a memory. Wow. Like that's yeah. I mean, and look, I'm not saying that we need to take this, you know, for gospel here on what we should think about Anthony Edwards, but it's a hell of a quote, man. Like it it really is one hell of a quote regarding one of these draft prospects. It's a monster quote. And it's really, really scary. If you really think about it, (laughs) and it it, like it's again, I've never thought, Hey, maybe we should pass on Anthony Edwards. You read that quote and it's like, Oh, I understand if they want to pass on him now. I kind of understand because you got to hope that this is the right situation and you can insulate him from a lot of the things that possibly could trip him up. One thing before we go to break, because I know we got to go to break soon. I have a hot take. I have a draft hot take for you, Walker. Oh, no. Let's hear it. I would rather take LaMelo Ball over RJ Barrett. Like if all things were even, give me what (sighs) LaMelo Ball brings over what give me over what Maple Mamba gave me. I mean, I think that's too much baked in hindsight. You're not making that decision last year. Oh, no. I, again, you knew. Again, we talked about this. I was never the biggest fan of Maple Mamba. I was never, ever, 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 ever. Because, again, he didn't have the shot. He is a gunner, and he doesn't have the the basically the distance shooting, the long-range shooting, to make you pay. I was never afraid of R.J. Barrett for what they do. Give me LaMelo ball over uh, RJ Barrett nine times out of 10. And, and going back to Anthony Edwards real quickly, you know, you brought up understanding if the Hornets would end up passing on Anthony Edwards and James Borrego has talked about culture and I I think Uh it matters. And we've discussed that a little bit. Here's the thing with Anthony Edwards is, is Borrego and Mitch Kupchak and the Charlotte Hornets, whoever's making these decisions, which it's going to be Mitch Kupchak, I think, with some you know suggestions here and there, of course. But when you're talking about who they're going to select and then Anthony Edwards comes up, is this a team 
that believes that their culture is strong enough to get the best out of Anthony Edwards and that he's not going to cause problems and that Devontae, PJ, Miles, then a Terry Rozier, and then a Cody Zeller, all of these guys on the roster, do they believe that their culture is strong enough to actually affect Anthony Edwards? Or are they worried that their strong culture is is not strong enough to be affected, uh, to not be affected by Anthony Edwards? Does Anthony Edwards, be is he the guy that causes the chemistry to go awry in the Hornets locker room, or does he actually benefit from the strong culture? And I think that's a question, you know, is it half glass full or half glass empty? Is it what, you know, what party affects the other one more? And I'm interested if it does come down to that decision where the Hornets uh, would lean. That's something that I find interesting. It is very interesting. And I would honestly point out that if Mitch Kupchak's quotes are true from this draft, they're going to bet on talent because, as he said over and over, this is not a very talented roster. So I'm assuming that they would bet on talent. I would also say, it, like I said, I don't necessarily blame them if they move on, if they pass. Yeah. All right. I want to talk to you guys about Built Bar before we move on to the next segment. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever, and it's great for the health conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low calorie, they're low sugar, they're high protein, high fiber, and they're great for the keto diet. They've got plenty of really good flavors. Some of the original ones that we don't mention nearly as much, just coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, which is one I really like. Also, you have orange, toffee almond, coconut, and peanut butter brownie. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and they're easy to chew. Best of all, you get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. So go to BuiltBar.com and and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. We will uh, will continue to look at the survey, maybe a couple of these athletic articles coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I'm not a big fan of grape jelly. I kind of, I'm a little insulted that you referred to me as grape jelly. I'm not a fan of grape anything. Now, I like grapes, but I don't like grape flavoring. I think it goes back to the Robitussin that I had as a kid, and I just don't like grape flavoring. Anyway, great to be back. Great to be back on the show. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. We're moving up and down the survey. There's a lot of depth here regarding comments from different NBA agents that were asked all these questions by The Athletic. And we'll go to the fifth question on this survey. We're kind of bouncing around. Uh, This question was, how will the pandemic affect player movement, trade, and contract negotiations? Not, I know you've read this already also, and uh, you've already taken a look at some of the comments that were mentioned here. What were some of the things that were most interesting to you when considering all the comments listed within this question that was asked? Again, my favorite. My fear is there will be a lot of teams and ownership groups that sit out free agency. And in terms of player movement, I think there will be a lot, not just signing guys, Nobody wants to pay the tax. Everybody is going to try and clear space for 2021. I can definitely see a sizable amount of player movement, but not a lot of dollars spent. This is the reason you should pay attention to this one is because guess who's got $19 million or their amounts of $19 million in free cap space. Guess who can take um, on a, guess who can take on a bad contract for the exorbitant price of probably at least one or two firsts. Yeah, that would be the Charlotte Hornets. Exactly. A clean cap sheet means that you can do deals that will clear a whole bunch of tax, again, 
clear a whole bunch of space. And if you, there was another article, and I think it was Bill Oram that did it of the athletic as well. But they were talking about of the team that lost the most in terms of the gate, the Hornets were among the bottom. So they didn't lose too much because the team wasn't very, very good. So therefore, if again, if they have these games without fans going forward, they're in a position to where it's not going to hurt their bottom line that that much. So when we start talking about teams that can take on money, that have this have the where, financial wherewithal to add money for first round picks and trying to build a contender going forward, the Hornets are in the catbird seat, Walker. I kind of like where this team is going to be when if and when the CBA gets figured out and when basketball revenue related income gets figured out because I think we're going to see something really, really interesting. And this team may change like dynamically. Well, not necessarily mm-hmm. dynamically, but enough to where you notice that we're in a really good position going forward. Not a, it's a really good point, man, because you're looking at these comments like just just look at least how the agents perceive how COVID-19 has affected the NBA offseason. Quote, big effect, salary cap lower, centers will get hit the hardest, teams putting the most value on those who can play one through four. As for movement, we'll see. Teams might go with rookies or minimum contracts to keep their books low while dealing with cap uncertainty. So there's one agent that talks about how much teams are wanting to keep their costs low. Another quote was, they got to tell us what the cap is. Simple as that. That's what is hanging over our heads the most. Sounds like next season starts in January and Adam Silver clearly wants fans in arenas. But what about the cap? What are they waiting for? A vaccine? Good news from Dr. Fauci. I know they don't want a bubble, but we need to know the cap numbers. As long as we have that, we can conduct business. There are conversations happening. So there's one guy that just wants to know what the cap is so he can start to negotiate within reason on what his players might be able to make next season and beyond. So the other agent said the same thing. The, 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 the comment right below that one I just read, another agent says, first and foremost, they're going to have to figure out the cap. Like these guys are just begging to know what kind of numbers they're dealing with, mm-hmm. with all of these different teams. And then that first one that I read, big effect, salary cap lower. You know, it goes to show you that you're right, Nada. Maybe we weren't putting as much importance on um, just the kind of bad contracts that they could take back in return and just how good those assets might be. And as bad as that sounds where, okay, we really don't want bad money. We're definitely shy from doing that as Hornets fans because all we've known is bad money the last three, four years. And we're still not even 100% out of the woods yet because of Batum's contract that's still on the books. And if you want to say Cody Zeller, then okay, I would disagree. But also Bismack, um, you know, he, he's coming off the books actually. So Cody and, and Nick having, you know, decent sized money, maybe it it is a situation where you could take some contracts off and those assets would actually be greater because of the cap going lower and the Hornets could maybe use that a little bit more. Just the way that the agents are reacting to this, I do think their perspective on this is quite interesting. Their perspective is quite interesting. And quite honestly, at this point, I kind of think of Nick Batum as probably the most valuable player in the league. If you have a contract that is going to be diminished, again, a $27 million expiring contract, imagine how much you could probably get for that for parking. Okay, you want to get rid of $27 million to clear your cap cap space and then possibly be in a good financial position for when fans come back, not this season, but the following season. You got to think that you again, if you're the Hornets, you have that chip, you could dangle it and you may end up getting a Brooklyn deal 
like three first round picks just because teams are hurting like that. And the Hornets aren't in that financial position. So right now, the Hornets, like, like I said, the Hornets are really primed to take advantage of teams that are financially hurting. And it's not very often that we can say this for the Charlotte Hornets right now. And the fact that you can should be very, very exciting. And like the offseason for this Charlotte Hornets team may be the most important offseason since when? Probably, at, if not to 2016, probably 2012, 2013 at the, at the earliest, maybe. Yeah, you're not really saying the Hornets are ever in the catbird seat too many times. So <laughs> the fact yeah, exactly. that we actually said that on this podcast, it is interesting. Um, yeah, we'll see exactly how that does affect the Hornets, but uh, it's good stuff from the agents that were questioned on this survey. I want to go to uh, what's the move for Golden State with the second overall pick, just kind mm-hmm. of divided into two, whether they would actually trade it or whether the Golden State Warriors are going to use it. 11 agents actually said that Golden State is going to trade it compared to just six that said they're going to keep it. The agents that said they're going to trade it, one quote was, if I had to bet, they're going to trade it and move back to the late lottery look at the teams number nine through 14 and go from there. Regardless, I don't see golden state drafting it too, especially in this draft picks one to five. You have no idea. I don't think there's a clear cut guy was another quote. There's uh, you can trade it for another star was another one. And only six said, keep it. So, you know, it's not like there was this huge discrepancy, but enough to note that most agents think golden state is going to find a way to deal that thing and maybe move down in the draft and try to get some kind of star to help them win right now. That was interesting to me because, again, that just shows you that if they are trading that pick, you have to start wondering, are you potentially losing one of your guys on the big board? Whether that may be a Denny Avia, whether that may be a James Wiseman, or dare I say it, whether that may be an Anthony Edwards or a LaMelo Ball. And it may behoove the Hornets to move up to make sure that they get their guy. That's the thing that I start worrying about is if all this scuttlebutt comes around and clearly there's enough to where agents are saying this out loud. So now the question becomes, if you're Charlotte and you're Mitch Kupchak, what is it going to take to necessarily move up to, to the first pick? And then after that, is it going to be worth it to get make sure that you get your guy, whether it is a LaMelo or dare I say a James Wiseman? That's and I don't the crazy part. And I don't necessarily think that those comments from the agents, the majority of the comments contradict with what Zach Lowe was saying about how Golden State is not going to sell low on that pick. They're going to ask for a lot. I don't think that necessarily contradicts what Zach Lowe was saying. I guess it just means that the agents think even if they are, even if Golden State is not going to sell low on that second pick, they might just get what they're asking for. If somebody is really wanting to move up, the problem is, is that the agents already said there's less enthusiasm. And so maybe the agents do think that they're not going to um, sell high on that pick and they'll just you know, take a decent offer rather than asking for the moon. So I thought that was something that um, compared a little bit and contrasted to Zach Lowe's comments on the low post podcast. And one other thing I wanted to talk about real quickly, when the agents were asked about the executives, they were asked among general managers or front office leaders, who do you trust the most? And it was, there wasn't anybody that separated themselves too much. There were three guys that got two votes Tim Connolly for the Nuggets, Masai Ujiri for the Raptors, and Jeff Weltman from the Magic. And then there was more than a handful 
that got just one vote. Elton Brand was one that got a vote. <laughs> Joe Dumars, Sean Marks, Bob Myers, Neil Olshey. I think that's how you pronounce the last name. Yes. Maybe Olshey. Pat Riley, Travis Schlenk, Tommy Shepard, and Brian Wright. Those were the other guys. So there's just so many different players mentioned uh, or so many different executives mentioned. What I, what I think about that, Nada, because there's nothing separating one executive from another to truly kind of pinpoint what they think about one or what majority of the agents think about one in particular executive. I just think it kind of goes to, I think these agents that are being questioned have to have some big player that, that played for those different guys. And it's all about whether maybe they got paid, whether they dealt with them amicably. And you know, when, when you go down to the, the executives, they trust the least it's Daryl Morey getting a couple of votes. It's Ooh. Rob Palenka getting one and a half votes. And then it's Danny Ainge, Gar Foreman, John Horst. Um, and then it's uh, Don Nelson and Scott Perry. Those are the other guys. Gerson Rosas also gets half of a vote. So with, with they're just all over the board. I, I just feel like that was basically if my player got paid and dealt with their franchise in a peaceful way, then I might say I trust them. And if it didn't happen, then maybe they don't trust them because we're, we're almost damn near uh, mentioning every single executive with that question. Yeah. A lot of this is just that Mitch Kupchak is taking over a rebuilding team. And unfortunately the Hornets for better or worse are kind of irrelevant right now. Yeah. They don't have that big star that one of these ages, like, you know, what's happened with Kimba Walker would be the only thing that would truly register. Yep. Um, but when you talk about the other players on that roster, like, you know, Nick Batum got paid, but even Nick Batum's agent, who I don't know his name, Nick Batum's agent, even he is def- definitely going to be like, yeah, man, I mean, we fleeced him on that. Thank you, Hornets. And it's not even Mitch Kupchak who gave him that deal. So, you know, Rich exactly. Joe even been mentioned anyway. Um, yeah, so it's, it's you know, Devontae, we're not there yet with him. We're not there with P.J. Washington. We're not, we're not there with the other guys on this roster. And so it doesn't surprise me that Mitch Kupchak wouldn't be brought up in that question. No, nor should it. And at this point it's okay. And you know what, like I said, this is, they have a chance to establish themselves and Mitch has a chance to establish himself on this list at this point, starting to starting with this off season. So again, it's just the starting point is here. Year one of the rebuild is officially over. Now we're on to year two and making bigger steps towards that. I want to talk a little bit more about Daryl Morey specifically, but first I want to talk to you guys about Roman because it is hard to talk about erectile dysfunction. It can be awkward or embarrassing to talk about ED. Usually we just kind of brush it off or we blame ourselves, but with Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and the privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship you real medicine with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, it's simple, and it's discreet. And you can get started in a very simple way. Just go to get, uh, GetRoman.com slash on and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction, it used to be tough to talk about, but now there's Roman where you can complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash on to get up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment, a free online visit, and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOn for up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment. Again, GetRoman.com slash LockedOn. Why did Chris Paul leave the Houston Rockets, according to Tim McMahon, who appeared on the Low Post podcast? We'll talk about that next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. 
but what he showed in summer league, comma, a Euro step into a windmill during a game, end of comma, oh, could yeah. put him on the radar of a radar, excuse <laughs> a me, radar. of all NBA. Yeah, on the radar. On the radar of <laughs> all NBA fans as a nightly highlight producer. Yeah, you're Charlotte, you're Charlotte coming out there. Yeah, I'm from I'm from uh, Catawba County. Put so, him on the radar. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. So as I mentioned, Nada, Tim McMahon of ESPN, who covers the Houston Rockets and knows that organization very well, he joined Zach Lowe on a recent episode of the Low Post podcast. And I think the thing that I took away most from that interaction between the two mm-hmm. was when Tim McMahon was talking about how Chris Paul exited that organization. We know mm-hmm. what happened, at least reportedly, that James Harden, Chris Paul had real beef And I remember there was one report that said the relationship was unsalvageable. Well, Daryl Morey came out and said, no, that's not necessarily true. Um, And then he traded Chris Paul not too long after that. And that kind of goes back to Daryl Morey being maybe one of the least trusted executives and only answered by two agents that way. So, you know, take that for what you will. But it goes back to that where Daryl Morey is saying, no, it's not unsalvageable. But then they trade Chris Paul. And look, I I was one that said, okay, well, you know, if Daryl was just saying this for the better of his team, because maybe you don't trade Chris Paul, then fine, but you did. And so it does certainly look like it was a rep. It was a relationship that could not be saved. Well, Tim McMahon was talking about Chris Paul's exit with Zach Lowe. And he said that James Harden wanted Chris Paul out, which I think we all knew, Mm -hmm. but also that Tillman Fertitta, the owner really wanted Chris Paul off of the books. Tim McMahon said that Tillman Fertitta thought that that contract was not only one of the worst that he's seen in basketball, but one of the worst that he's seen in business overall. And apparently (laughs) not a Chris Paul was someone that wasn't begging to be left out of the organization or or to leave the organization. And Daryl Morey was someone that wanted to keep Chris Paul on that basketball team. And so I thought that was something fascinating because I would have thought coming into that, Chris Paul and James Harden didn't like each other. Chris Paul wanted out. James Harden wanted him out. And that's how it went down. Daryl Morey granted a wish. Tillman Fertitta was just like, all right, fine, whatever. But instead, it's Fertitta and Harden on one side and Morey and Chris Paul on another. And the reason that's so fascinating is because here we are trying to measure what Daryl Morey meant to the NBA and specifically the Houston Rockets. We can talk about the modern innovation that he brought as much as anybody to the NBA with the kind of style that uh, he used to build his team, all that kind of roster construction. But also we, we go to the one year where they were so damn close to at least getting to the NBA finals and then potentially winning the NBA championship. And maybe they lose, I don't know. Maybe they lose the NBA finals, but they were the only team that gave the Golden State Warriors with Kevin Durant that kind of a scare. And I think that means something. And they had to falter completely, which they did. So they Mm -hmm. don't get a championship for that. But when you talk about how so close they were, and then again, Chris Paul's on the team again, and then they lose even with Kevin Durant out. And so, you know, I I don't know. It's not like like they deserve any trophy for it. But I just thought that was something that I, I didn't expect. And you're talking about a team like some of these what ifs, if the Rockets don't miss a billion threes in a row at the end, if they're able to keep Chris Paul and James Harden on the same team, how does that look? We'll never know because Harden and Fertitta wanted Chris Paul out so badly. The the thing is, and this is where I kind of worry about the Houston Rockets. We're going to look back at this Fertitta ownership 
And I hope somebody's writing a book. I really, really, really do hope that <laughs> Fertitta writes, someone writes a book on the Fertitta ownership because I don't think it's going to last that long because we see already there's enough smoke with the Tillman Fertitta thing that there's a fire underneath. We know he's broke. We know he doesn't have any money. We know that he's been caught in the New York Times, basically with the administration, the current presidential administration asking for money. And then you have the president of the United States talking about he's a regular client. This is going to end badly. And at some point, you're going to need the NBA to step in because, again, he's broke. He's broke, broke. Like he may sell Robert Covington for for pennies on the dollar because he cannot afford to compete. It's a really, really bad situation. I think it's one of those situations that going into this offseason, we may see them deal Harden for pennies on the dollar because they need to get back to some form of cost certainty. And who knows what that may look like this offseason. Yeah, the Rockets are going to be fascinating because – they don't have any first round picks. You know, I, I mean, I, at least for the next four years out because they've gone mm-hmm. after every single star because Daryl Morey constantly wanted to win and he wanted to win right now. He wanted talent and he wanted it right now. Trading all the first round picks in order to do so. Trading Chris Paul where the Thunder get all of these picks in exchange for Russell Westbrook when we were questioning at the time, well, damn, I'm not sure I like Russell Westbrook and Harden any better whatsoever basketball-wise than I do Chris Paul and James Harden on the court together with Houston. And and now you have the Rockets that could go in a couple of di- different directions. Do they just continue to try to find whatever that next star is and put alongside James Harden and battle for a championship? Or does it? do we just have a come-to-Jesus in Houston that says, okay, we just can't do it anymore. Harden has not performed in the postseason we don't have any first round picks to entice people enough to go get that second star. We got to blow this thing up. Thank you so much for your time, James. What team do you want to go to? Um, maybe it doesn't even matter. We're just going to have to trade you for the best offer we can get. And then Chris Paul used to be a rocket. I mean, in this survey, Chris Paul was uh, voted uh, among the agents as the most likely big star to change teams this off season. I'm not surprised to see that at all with the Milwaukee Bucks, speculation that could be out there or, you know, whatever team that he could maybe uh, possibly help. Yeah. It's one of those things. Like this is one of those, those interesting situations where we know Chris Paul is going to find another team because of the way Oklahoma city moved on. The question that we all have now is just where, and if James, imagine if James Harden and Chris Paul find themselves together in Philly somehow. And granted, I would love to see how that looks with a combination of Harden and Bede and Chris Paul. There'd be fights every day. And again, I'd be praying for Doc, but it still would be funny. We got well, Harden and Paul aren't going to end up together again, because clearly, even in that first round postseason series where it went seven games, Chris Paul clearly had a shot to James Harden at the end of that one. Some people are built for the moment. Some others aren't. And I mean, you just got to imagine that was towards James Harden. And if James didn't want to play with Chris Paul anymore, I still think that probably rings true. So I I would love to see it. I mean, what? Sure. Like, fine. I'd I'd like to see Chris Paul in a bunch of different situations. For the funny. Root for the funny. (laughs) I always root for the funny. That wraps up this edition of Locked on Hornets. Thanks again to you guys for supporting the show. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on NBA. Have a great day. We will be back with you tomorrow.